Hey guys, Dr. Childs here. Today we're gonna be talking about six healthy habits that you might be doing which can have a negative impact on your thyroid. These are healthy habits that a lot of people who are perhaps reading about things on the internet and trying to be, live a healthier lifestyle, you might be doing these and these things can have a negative impact on the thyroid either directly or in, indirectly. Now, this isn't meant to confuse you or cause any problems with what you're doing. I don't want you to second guess all of your healthy eating um, or healthy habits that you're making changes to, but I do want you to be aware that sometimes these things can influence your thyroid gland, um, and I'll be talking about them and whether or not you have to change them and what they mean for you as we go along here. So let's talk about these six things. Number one is the use of Himalayan pink salt as well as Celtic sea salt. Now it's not the case that Himalayan pink salt and Celtic sea salt are necessarily bad for your thyroid. It's not it at all. Uh, but if you are consuming these forms of salt, and actually let me go back and say that many of these salts are actually very healthier. In the case of Himalayan pink salt, it contains a lot of extra uh, minerals that you can put into your body by using them. So a lot of people think naturally, well, hey, why don't I consume more of this type of salt because the other type of salt doesn't have this so I can get more minerals naturally into my body and I'm good, right? Well, that would be true. So again, it's not the point that these salts are necessarily harmful by themselves, but it is the case if you are consuming these salts, you are probably also not consuming iodized salt. So it is the case that a lot of these people uh, who are consuming Himalayan pink salt and Celtic sea salt, they're getting a healthy version of salt, but this comes at the expense of iodine into their body. And iodine is one of those top three most important nutrients for thyroid hormone production. And we'll be mentioning iodine as we go through several of these. So if you are somebody who is consuming Himalayan pink salt and, and or Celtic sea salt, one or the other, and you're also consuming a lot of sea vegetables or seafood or things like that, well then you don't really have anything to worry about because you're still getting that iodine. But if you are somebody who naturally was only getting their iodine from their iodized salt and now you've switched over, now you have a deficit of iodine and that may become a problem. So it's not necessarily the salts themselves, but it's the process by which you are substituting out something that your thyroid did need and you were or perhaps were previously getting when you were using iodized versions of salt. So that's number one. Number two is eating too many green vegetables. And I'm gonna put the caveat here without complimentary iodine intake, okay? So the reason that we talk a lot about green vegetables when it comes to the thyroid is because they contain something called goitrogens. And goitrogens just block the uptake of iodine into the thyroid gland. And because your thyroid needs iodine to produce thyroid hormone, if it gets blocked and it can't come in, well then your thyroid levels will go down because you cannot produce it. It's very simple. Now for most people, that isn't a problem though because they are consuming enough iodine. So if you have a complementary intake of enough iodine and you consume a lot of green vegetables, well then it doesn't matter if some of that iodine is getting blocked because still a lot of it is getting through or at least enough of it is getting through so that you can produce thyroid hormone and you don't have a problem. But let's imagine two, two things might be true here. Let's imagine you are somebody from number one who's using more Himalayan pink salt and or Celtic sea salt, so you're not getting enough iodine, and now you're trying to be a little healthier, so you're consuming way more green vegetables, so you're having more of a goitrogenic effect in the setting of low iodine, and that's when you can get into trouble by consuming too many vegetables. Now, it's not the vegetables themselves that are the problem. It, the real problem is actually that you're not consuming enough iodine, but the vegetables can get the blame because they contain the goitrogenic compounds. So if you think this is a problem for you, all you need to do is prepare your vegetables in such a way that reduces the goitrogenic um, uh, percentage that's found inside of them. You can do that by, by boiling them or steaming them. Actually not boiling them, it's just steaming them. But that will reduce the, the um, how many goitrogens are found inside these vegetables and then therefore they're not going to have as much of a blocking effect on your iodine. Now, the bottom line is though, no matter what, you still wanna be consuming that iodine because then even if there is some um, goitrogenic effect from those green vegetables, you're still getting enough iodine into your thyroid gland to meet your needs. So that was number two. Number three 
is taking a hair, skin, and nail supplement. So it's not the case that the hair, skin, and nail supplement is necessarily harmful by itself, but it has an ingredient which can cause a lot of confusion for thyroid patients, and that is biotin. Okay, so again, it's not the biotin and it's not the hair, skin, and nail supplement itself that are causing the problems, but it's how biotin impacts thyroid lab tests. Okay, so notice here that I said thyroid lab tests and not thyroid function. It's a completely separate thing. It is not the case that harm, biotin harms your thyroid, but it is the case that it can interfere with your thyroid lab test. So here's a scenario that might happen to you. Let's say that you are losing hair because, or you're experiencing more hair fall because you have low thyroid function, which a lot of thyroid patients have. So you start taking a hair, skin, and nail supplement, which contains a lot of biotin. Now, may, you may or may not tell your doctor this, who knows? Um, that part's not necessarily relevant because most doctors don't understand how this works anyways, but let's imagine you didn't tell them. So then you go get your lab tested, you have this high dose of biotin, and it interferes with your thyroid lab testing assay, which makes it look like you're getting more thyroid hormone than you are. So then your doctor lowers your dose, and then you end up with worsening symptoms. And it's not because of the biotin impacting your thyroid, but it is the case that the biotin may have interfered with your thyroid lab test. Now this is pretty well known, I would say, among many thyroid patients, but it's it's kind of a newer thing. Um, so if you aren't aware of this, please you know make sure you learn a little bit about this. Um, but I'm telling you pretty much all you need to know right now, and that is it's not that biotin is harmful or should be avoided by thyroid patients. It's just the case that if you are using biotin, just avoid taking it two days or so. You, if you want to be real safe, you can go up to three, two or three days before you get your thyroid labs tested, and it's not going to be an issue because it's going to be out of your system and it won't interfere with your thyroid lab test. So again, it's not the case that biotin is harmful, but it can create a confusing picture for many thyroid patients, especially if you're using a doctor um, which isn't aware of how biotin impacts thyroid lab tests or isn't aware of the supplements that you are using. Again, it's okay to use biotin as long as you stop taking it two to three days before you get your labs tested. That's a very important point. Number four is eating too many Brazil nuts each day. So this is inspired because I was at Costco the other day and I went in there and I saw a big old bag of organic uh, Brazil nuts and I thought to myself, well, I really hope that we don't have thyroid patients who are doing keto who hop onto this or grab or buy this bag and they just inadvertently take 15 to 20 um, Brazil nuts each and every day because they might they'll run the risk of becoming toxic on selenium. And it is the case that selenium toxicity can occur because Brazil nuts are a very rich source of naturally occurring selenium. So much so, in fact, that uh, an average Brazil nut may contain anywhere from about 50 micrograms of selenium to 92 micrograms of selenium. And your recommended dose, or at least the dose that I recommend you get of selenium every day, is about 200 micrograms. So that's about two to four nuts, depending on the content of the nuts, which isn't always well established, by the way. So you could, and, and imagine yourself just sitting there snacking on these Brazil nuts all day. You could probably easily pound down 10 or 20 of these and get way more selenium than you ever thought you were getting um, without realizing the harmful effects of this. So most of the time when I see Brazil nuts inside of a, a, a package of nuts, it's usually not very many Brazil nuts relative to the other types of nuts, but this was just a bag of Brazil nuts. So do be aware of that if you are somebody who's doing keto or likes to snack on nuts, do not consume too many uh, Brazil nuts because they contain high amounts of selenium and excess selenium or selenium toxicity is a potential problem. The symptoms of selenium toxicity include things like hair loss, changes to your nails, fatigue, gastrointestinal problems, and so on. And a lot of them mimic the symptoms of low thyroid function. So it's not the case that they're necessarily harming your thyroid, but they can make it look like you have a worsening thyroid function than you really do. If this has happened to you, don't worry. Just stop consuming the Brazil nuts and your body will take care of it. It will metabolize it out um, and it won't be an issue long-term for you. Uh, but do be aware that especially doing keto or you like to snack on nuts and so on. Do not consume too many um, Brazil nuts for that purpose. Next one will be number five, and that is taking supplements 
that contain sulforaphane or sulforaphane. Now, sulforaphane is the active compound found in a lot of cruciferous vegetables. In fact, it is the main ingredient which makes them so beneficial to your health. It is a thing that has the anti, uh, or fights cancer. It's a thing that reduces inflammation and it's a thing that acts as an antioxidant. So it is the beneficial ingredient inside of these vegetables. So what a lot of people do is they say, well, okay, I don't necessarily know that I can eat vegetables every day, but what I can do is I can take a supplement. So the supplements have taken, they've extracted the sulforaphane, put it inside of a capsule form, and then you take it by mouth and you're getting all those benefits, right? Well, that is true. However, it is that same component, which also is the reason that we had to talk about vegetables in number two here. And that is because it has the goitrogenic effect. So again, it's not a problem that you're necessarily taking the supplement, but if you are taking it, you need to make sure that you are adjusting the amount of iodine that you're also taking. So if you take a sulforaphane supplement, make sure that you increase your iodine intake so that you're making sure that your thyroid gland can grab the iodine that it needs to produce thyroid hormone. So be aware of that if you are taking a sulforaphane supplement. And look on the back of your um, any supplements you're taking to see if you have that component inside of it. Now, number six is consuming foods and supplements that contain naturally occurring sources of cyanide. So you probably know about cyanide. Cyanide, it is a toxic compound. Um, in large doses, it can be fatal to humans, but, but it does occur naturally in some foods um, and other sources, including B12, which we'll talk about in just a second. But your body usually doesn't have a problem in handling excess cyanide because it can metabolize it and get rid of it. But I'll talk about why that's a problem in just a minute. But for now, let's talk about the sources of cyanide that you might be introduced to. So one of those, and probably the biggest, would be cyanocobalamin, which is a form of vitamin B12. It's actually the cheapest form of vitamin B12, and so a lot of supplements contain this, this version, cyanocobalamin. And if you are consuming a B12, or a supplement which has B12, make sure you look at the type of the B12 on it. Make sure it's something like methylfolate and not cyanocobalamin, because if it's methylfolate, you're not getting the cyanide. If it's cyanocobalamin, your body has to break apart the B12 from the cyano component, and that's the cyanide that it's getting. It's also found, cyanide's also found in certain foods. In fact, one of those is a root vegetable called cassava. Now imagine this, so I'm a big proponent of people going gluten-free, and if you go gluten-free, a lot of foods which are naturally gluten-free, or well, that are gluten-free in general, they're made with cassava. So you might be doing something healthy by trying to go gluten-free for your thyroid, and in the process consuming a, a food which is naturally high in cyanide. Other foods that contain cyanide include lima beans, sprouted sorghum, flax seeds, almonds, and even sweet potatoes. All of these have naturally sources um, of, or naturally occurring sources of cyanide. Why is this a problem? Again, I mentioned that your body doesn't have a problem getting rid of it, but it does turn it, or it has the potential to turn it into something called thiocyanate. And that occurs predominantly in the liver and the kidneys. And it is the thiocyanate that becomes a problem because it also blocks the uptake of iodine. So you can see a lot of these things come back to getting iodine inside of the thyroid gland. Because if you cannot get enough iodine inside of the thyroid gland, you can't produce enough thyroid hormone, and therefore you will feel um, hypothyroid or low thyroid symptoms. So another important point here is that thiocyanate can be eliminated by the body and even inside of the thyroid gland itself, but it may come at the cost of taking resources away from thyroid hormone production. So again, it's not harmful necessarily to consume cyanide. It's not like you're going to, well, I mean, it is harmful to consume cyanide, but I'm saying it's not harmful to consume naturally occurring sources of cyanide because the body can get rid of it. But during that process, as it eliminates it, it's going to be drawing resources away from thyroid gland production and or blocking the uptake of iodine inside of the thyroid gland. So it's just something to be aware of. And again, you can combat this by just making sure that you're reducing how much uh, naturally occurring sources of cyanide you're getting every day. Make sure you're not taking this ionocobalamin B12 version I mentioned. Try and get methylcobalamin. If you're gonna have gluten-free and you, you like cassava, that's okay. Just limit or at least pay attention to how much you're consuming every single week. And if you increase your uptake, then just pay attention to how your symptoms are feeling. Okay, so that's one way to get around this problem. Again, these aren't really necessarily big problems, 
But I'm giving you this information because if you're having problems getting back to 100%, you can look at these things and think, well, am I consuming enough iodine? Am I consuming too many green vegetables? Am I getting supplements which are potentially blocking the uptake of iodine into my thyroid gland? Am I consuming healthy foods, but those do those healthy foods have cyanide in them, which may be converted and causing problems inside my thyroid gland? And as you look back on your healthy habits, you can start to make changes and tweaks as necessary. So again, don't let it scare you, but do be aware of these things because they can potentially cause problems. That's all I have for you guys today. And if you make sure if you haven't already that you download my free thyroid PDF resources, I have tons of information all designed to help thyroid patients like you feel better. And so if you have any questions, make sure you leave them below. And that's all I have for you guys today. So otherwise I will see you in the next one.